the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960 are the, uh, are the cardinal points of northeast, south, and west, wherever you are to call in. I've got, I say that because I've got Bill to my north and I've got David Dahl to my west here um, in the studio on uh, this Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. I'm putting aside, David, I'm sorry I didn't give you this direction earlier, I'm putting aside my monologue. Uh, to cover the breaking news of Donald Trump's indictment. Uh, we can perhaps reuse it uh, tomorrow and uh, or use it tomorrow for the first time. Trump has, uh, Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, has been indicted yet again on four counts, this time on charges of election interference. And uh, I was doing my best uh, to speed read the um, the indictment which comes in at 45 pages from the office of Jack Smith. And uh, I will tell you just first politically and then my best legally reading this as fast as I can, as quickly as I can, and we'll do so more during the breaks. Uh, politically, if <laughs> I don't know if the Democrats want Donald Trump to be the nominee or don't. I can't get my head around that at all. If they want him to be the nominee and they want to make his popularity increase, this is what you keep doing. We have reached now a point where the law process in going after the former president and a current candidate for president is an abusive process. It's an abusive process because these are such novel charges that they can't be taken seriously on their face, at least as I read them on their face. The entire warp and woof of this four-count indictment from Jack Smith's office is conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding in conspiracy against rights because of his investigation of the propriety of the 2020 election and statements he made with regard to it. First and foremost, please understand this. While the indictment several times states Donald Trump knew that he had lost the election and he knew that there was no fraud and yet continued to cite fraud, it's an impossibility to prove, especially if you take Donald Trump seriously and at his word. Has anyone seen a speech or an interview of Donald Trump's since the election of 2020 where you actually doubt he thinks he was defrauded of the election? Have your own opinion about whether the election was fraudulent or not. Have your own opinion about whether there were irregularities in the election or not. I certainly have my own. Have your own opinion about whether there was unfairness or worse in the 2020 election or not. Can anyone sincerely doubt that Donald Trump doesn't think there was? 
Has anyone seen an interview with that man? Has anyone seen a rally or a speech of his where you have the slightest doubt that he is convinced that he is convinced? Again, I don't care what you or I think that he is convinced that there were wrongs done in that election. I don't know how Jack Smith can engage in such a novel set of indictments here based on the notion that Donald Trump knew that he was perpetrating a fraud by making those claims. You cannot doubt Donald Trump's sincerity in his belief. Again, whether you believe it or not, you cannot doubt the sincerity of Donald Trump's beliefs. Second, they make a great meal in the indictment of his reliance on advice he was given by his attorneys in the exercise of his attempts to find a different set of outcomes for the election, including the different set of electors, the different slate of electors, and all these other processes and pressures he was putting on various state officials, his own vice president, his own attorney general. When you are relying on the advice of your counsel, you cannot be held criminally liable for relying on the advice of that counsel if you don't think that what you are doing is engaging in a crime. There may have been novel legal theories that his counsel were advising him on. They may have been. But these were attorneys respected in the bar, some of them law professors, some of them counsels of record in many other famous cases, some of them former clerks to the Supreme Court. And it would be an impossibility to hold someone liable, to me, criminally liable, if they're on a good faith basis relying on the advice of their counsel. Fourth, or third point, third point. If you want the American people to have less and less trust in the processes of the institutions of government. In fact, if your whole point is the structure of government should not be questioned, should be above reproach and above question, if you want some form of reliance upon normalcy, you can't engage in abnormal indictments like this. You can't keep creating questions about the fairness and the waging of law for purposes of politics the way this special counsel is doing and the way the Democrats evidently think it's a good idea. This will not end up as a victory for the Democrats. This saturation of indictments over questionable and novel theories of law against a current candidate for the presidency of the United States who is also an ex-president of the United States is the word you will see more than any other because it's probably the most accurate word you can come up with. So unprecedented, it's hard to imagine. It's an impossibility to imagine. Does that mean that Donald Trump can't run for president with all these indictments? Of course he can. Of course he continue to run. He can continue to run for president. There's no constitutional bar about someone under indictment running for president. There's no constitutional bar against someone behind bars running for president. That's not the question. The question is, can they taint him so much 
can they taint him so much that he is not a viable candidate for president? Can they tie him up and his schedule up so much? Can they tie up his financial situation so much that they won't allow him, that he cannot be allowed or won't be allowed to run for president? That's that's really what the effort is here, to make it such a headache for him, a financial headache, a practical headache, and a headache in any other way that he won't be able to feasibly or legitimately, or not legitimately, but feasibly or effectively run for president. And if that's the strategy, and that can only be the strategy, if that is the strategy, I can't think of any other, then think about what the legal process is being used for here. Think about what the legal process is being used for here. The legal process is being used for a political purpose, which is precisely what they are accusing him of doing, but without legal means. He did most of this after he was president of the United States, most of it. Some of it in his last month in the presidency, most of it after. Um, beyond that, beyond that, there will be celebration in the media and there will be sirens going off that Donald Trump engaged in criminal behavior and encouraged January 6th. To do so, to say he encouraged January 6th, is going to require a lot more than I've seen in this indictment. An awful lot more. You can't hold someone liable for a conspiracy or a direct incitement to riot when their words cannot possibly or feasibly be construed as an incitement to riot. When you say, march peacefully and patriotically, there is no one who can construe those words as encouragement, catalyst, impetus, incitement to riot. This has been First Amendment law since the 1960s. We'll take your calls. We'll have more thoughts on this as I read more during the break when we come back. I'm Seth Leibson, 602 508 0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. The main news is that Donald Trump was indicted on charges from uh, the special counsel probe into January 6th, four new charges, uh, four count, sorry, four new counts in an indictment, a new indictment against Donald Trump. Uh, happy to take your calls. I outlined my initial thoughts on it in the previous segment, departing from my usual monologue. Maybe I'll give it at the top of the second hour. David will make a call on that in a little bit. Let's go to uh, George in Phoenix. Hello, George. Hey, Seth. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, always enjoy your show, thank and you. thank you for taking my call. You bet. And uh, with this indictment uh, regarding Donald Trump's state of mind, they're going to have, as you mentioned, a heck of a hard time proving one way or the other. But there is absolute incontrovertible proof that Donald Trump absolutely knew that he had been defrauded out of the election. So that was actually his state of mind. And the evidence of this is absolutely irrefutable. And at the time, as you know, no court in the land was willing to even look 
at the evidence. Uh, and if they had, it would have shown uh, beyond any doubt that the election, in fact, had been stolen. This may actually be, finally, an opportunity, and possibly the very first opportunity, for Donald Trump to prove, showing the evidence he has to show what his state of mind was, to prove that it was, in fact, stolen. Uh, So if I read you right, George, or if I hear you right, better way to put it, if I hear you right, you're saying that Donald Trump has proof— and is at least to well, his, to, has proof to his own satisfaction that the election was fraudulent, and that this, well, yeah, go ahead. I maintain that yeah. if if any court had been willing to actually look at the evidence, it, it would have been a slam dunk in in Trump's favor. Uh, just here in Arizona, a guy by the name of Bobby Piton, who's got a Ph.D. in statistics, among other things, proved that just in Arizona. There were something on the order of a quarter of a million phantom voters. And, of course, all of these phantom voters voted for Biden. And you know what a phantom voter is. Uh, you're familiar with right. I, I, I'm familiar with the allegation of it, yeah. Uh, okay. And, and look, whether, whether there's credibility to satisfy a legal standard or not here uh, in the court of law, is to me not even the beginning of the question, George. The question here is, did Donald Trump himself believe that uh, there was enough evidence yeah. to prove his election, the elect, his reelection was fraud, uh, the denial of his reelection was fraudulent? And what this indictment is doing that is so interesting to me is saying that he had evidence, he had information, he had testimony from some of his advisors, even that there was no fraud. But he also had evidence. He also had information. He also had testimony from advisors that there was. Now, you know, take your pick which advisors you want to believe. He obviously wanted to believe those that thought there was because that was in his best interest and that was his position. But he's relying on that information. I mean, he's the president of the United States. He's relying on the information from these advisors, including, as I say, some notable attorneys. Again, whether you think they were giving good legal advice or not in the light of 2020 hindsight, that is the advice he was going with. He was he found the attorneys that were advising him in the area he wanted to obviously uh, in the area that would obviously make his case the strongest, make his his argument the strongest. Right. You cannot, right. when you do that, say that by disregarding the other advice, he had knowledge, he had proof that his claims are fraudulent because he had knowledge from other advisors that said it was. So I, I, I think it's an I think it's an impossibility to prove. And on that alone, I think these indictments should be thrown out. Now, I will tell you, the trick here is going to be difficult to um, difficult to uh, overcome. It's in Washington, D.C. It's in federal court in Washington, D.C. And when you want to go after a, a Republican for any reason whatsoever, that's where you go. This isn't this yep. isn't this isn't a court in Florida. This is a court in yep. Washington, D.C. That is indeed the problem. And uh, even even a judge or a jury in Washington, D.C., as you yourself said, how can you prove that 
that he didn't believe in yeah. his own mind and his own heart that it had been stolen. He, he absolutely Well, there's hours that. of footage. I mean, there's just hours of footage of his rallies and hours of footage of his interviews where you just cannot question the sincerity of his belief that his election was fraudulently, sto- fraudulently, um, fra- fraudulently taken. You can't. You cannot look at a single interview or rally of his and say, so, uh, mm, "I'm not sure and, he and actually I, thinks that." That is a man of great I, I sincerity on this point. On this very point, absolutely more sincere, absolutely. maybe on this point than anything else. I mean, the advice, the advice has been to Donald Trump from certain quarters: get off it, quit talking about it, right? Quit revisiting 2020. That has been the advice he's been given from certain quarters. Smart or not, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know whether it's good advice or. Or not, but so much so that it requires advice to him from certain well, quarters to get off it. He just, sincerely just, believes 2020 was fraudulent. Oh yeah, he absolutely does, and, and that's all. Yeah, reason. I mean, we don't but, even but have to get all, to. Yeah, we don't even. Yeah, okay, go ahead. That, but from both a political standpoint and a legal standpoint, I don't know how anything like this, how, how these charges can actually be taken seriously. Well, I'll tell you you what they have managed to do. They have managed to completely take away any thread of a story over Devon Archer's testimony yesterday. You know, the the news of that testimony, which brought which which brought, I think, embarrassment at the lowest end of it, to put it no higher, and I think does raise impeachable issues, to put it where I think it belongs. The testimony of Devon Archer yesterday about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden Uh, was hanging on by a thread as a news story because the Washington Post didn't cover it at all and the New York Times didn't put it on their website at all. Um, (laughs) You know, it it was hanging on by a thread. Well, now it is just totally gone. Now it is just, you will not (laughs) see the name, you you won't see the name Devin Archer in another news item for for weeks. Absolutely. If If the mainstream media decides not to cover it, it didn't happen. Isn't that the so power? Per- perception is everything, that, right? It, well, it's, you know, it's, um, Noam Chomsky is a liberal, still alive, old-time liberal leftist, really, probably a Marxist, um, used to teach at MIT. He's retired now, but he still churns out columns and interviews here and again. He wrote a book in the 80s called Manufacturing Consent and how the media, in cahoots with, you know, the uh, the powers the the powers of, of of corporatism and government manufacture consent. I want to say something about that when we come back because that's what's going on right now. How do you talk about what you learned from Devin Archer with people who get their news exclusively from the Washington Post and New York Times? You can't. They have no idea what you're talking about because it just didn't happen. If you read the Washington Post or the New York Times, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. How are you, John? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Seth. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I see it. Excellent. Yeah, no, I see an interesting CNBC report. Job openings layoffs declined in June and a positive Mm -hmm. sign for the labor market to still what we're talking about here for us, John. So it's interesting again, too, as we know, the Fed continues to um, increase rates. 
uh, as at the last meeting. And uh, the thought is, is that they still are concerned about inflation. They're still concerned about uh, the possibility of us maybe having uh, a relapse of the uh, inflationary issues. But all of the indicators are pointing to the fact that the economy has slowed down. It continues to slow down other than, in this case, uh, jobs. And it says the employment openings totaled $9.58 million for June. And that was uh, a downward uh, revis- revised uh, from $9.62 million in May. So there's less job openings now than there were in May. So, again, we're not seeing those unemployment numbers that many thought we would see as the Fed would raise rates, thinking the uh, jobs would be lost because of that. We're still seeing a tremendous amount of strength in the jobs market. So there's a little bit of a uh, you know uncertainty about that when it comes to whether or not what the Fed's doing may be working. However, uh, we are seeing uh, in manufacturing uh, slowing. So we are seeing a continued slowing in the manufacturing uh, area. So that is, I think, a better indicator for us that what the Fed has done up to this point definitely has made, uh, you know, has has had an effect on on the um, inflation and the economy. Yes, I'm what, I'm reading two different stories on this as well, John. Your uh, the CNBC story we mentioned, and then the way the Wall Street Journal pitches it in their news uh, in their in their news analysis. They write job openings are down from a record of 12 million in March 2022. They're going back to uh, a little over a year ago, but they right. remain well above pre-pandemic levels and exceed the six million unemployed people looking for work in June, which is. The number CNBC was looking up. It's an interesting question, too, because I don't think we have our hands fully around the whole issue of those who aren't looking for work. But the openings right. is what we're what we're talking about right now. That's right. what that's what yeah. we're talking about. We're talking kind of about the dem- I suppose I suppose it's really a supply question of work, not a demand question of work. Yeah, you could have, you know. 10 million people out of out of work and right. you can have 10 million job openings right, but right. you know if you don't have qualified right. people for right. those jobs it's you know that's the challenge right. but really the manufacturing index uh, was important to see that we're seeing again a slowing of the expansion um, for manufacturing which again is showing us that the economy has slowed which is creating a little bit more of an opportunity for us to get caught up on the supply chain issues and a variety of other things. But jobs are critical for, for companies to be able to continue uh, to stay in business and, and to continue to grow. We need people, yep. and uh, we need qualified people. So it's going to be important, and I think you will start to see this, Seth, because companies have been very good at, at managing their way through this uh, pandemic and ultimately through the, uh, the slowdown in the economy, the inflationary pressures that they felt. Companies have been doing very well. They're still reporting very well. Uh, we're seeing um, the markets rebounding very nicely. So there's a lot of positive things going on out there. And I believe that companies will figure out a way to bring people on that they can train to do the job that they need them to do. Yeah, and the quit rate, too. We didn't mention uh, or say enough about that. The quit rate, right. the number of job resignations as a share of employment, that declined as well, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So, again, again, it's a people, strong, yeah, people strong are labor waking market up again. To, yeah, they're waking up yep. to the world they're living in a little bit more. And the reality yeah. is they gotta, they've got to work now, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, people out there that are collecting, uh, continuing to collect the benefits that they did you know, a year or two ago. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, real quickly, John, this really has yep. a lot to do with the way the Fed was looking at 
things. Uh, how does it look for potential recession on the horizon as well, that kind of consideration and talk? I think the uh, market and investors out there believe that we're not going to have no, a recession. It looks less and likely. Yeah. Even if we did, it would be a very, very slight. Yeah. And, and I just I believe that the recession most likely is off the table unless something unusual really happens that no one's foreseeing. Thank you, John. Yeah, which is a positive out there. Yes, absolutely. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand King and Plenty Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, John. Thank you very much. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Special counsel Jack Smith said this at a press statement, press availability today. Charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots and they are the very best of us. They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it, They put their lives on the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Since the attack on our capital, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment. That should be disturbing to everyone. That statement by Jack Smith should be disturbing to everyone who reads the indictment and everyone who heard and was within earshot of what Jack Smith, the special counsel, said. Why do I say that? I will read you the four counts from the indictment. Conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, conspiracy against rights. There is no indictment. There is no count of this four-count indictment of an incitement to riot. What Jack Smith is doing is taking Donald Trump's arguments about the election, Donald Trump's beliefs that the election results were fraudulent, his statements in support of those beliefs that the election of 2020 was fraudulent, and claiming not what he claimed— in his indictment on paper, but what he claimed in that press statement I just aired for you, that that's what caused January 6th. 
It is the criminalization of belief. It is the criminalization of speech based on that belief with no evidence whatsoever. No evidence on the record. No evidence that has turned up in two and a half years. No evidence that was sufficiently presented at Donald Trump's second impeachment that he encouraged, had knowledge of forethought, or incited a riot. The timeline betrays that on January 6th itself. The riot began before Donald Trump finished speaking. Look at the timeline. The speech Donald Trump gave on January 6th, where he told supporters to march peacefully and patriotically, is the opposite of an incitement to a riot. So what Jack Smith is doing here is saying because he continued to believe and support the notion that the election was fraudulent, was full of irregularities at at minimum and fraudulent at maximum, that his statements to that are the reason that, I don't know, a thousand people stormed the Capitol. A thousand people who started storming the Capitol before Donald Trump even finished speaking, who weren't even at Donald Trump's speech. The reason this is dangerous is because Donald Trump is not the first person to question legitimacy of elections. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice president of Canada? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. Jimmy Carter. He was put in the office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president or elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see the president elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. One thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. There absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is a question. Yes. So that was a very tainted election. And in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> the Russian attempt. The laugh line to him, Jimmy Carter. Frankly, the FBI is uh, weighing in on the election. I think make the make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed. History will discover. 
But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigan stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference. And now we need to know know, to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with He knows he's an illegitimate president. So, of course, he's obsessed with me. And I believe that it's a guilty conscience. Well, as William Buckley once said, quad licit jovi non licit bovi. What's good for the gods is not tolerable for the swine or the cattle. The Democrats can say it all all day long, but if a Republican says it, you get criminally charged with a four-count indictment. That's the world the Democrats want us to think we live in. That is the world the Democrats are making us live in. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. You have bank failures, you have stock market volatility, you have speculation of a recession, you have hardened inflation. Where do you go to invest? Why Refi has an investment, a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized investment portfolio from Y-Refi. And Y-Refi is headquartered here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on the 101 and Scottsdale Road. I've been there several times, and I can tell you, you won't get sales pitch. No one will ask you to sign anything. And when you meet with them, the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just check them out. Log on to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. The indictment, uh, four-count indictment against uh, Donald Trump uh, is based on speeches he gave and um, beliefs that he held about the 2020 election. And they are the same speeches with the point of view on the other foot, the same interview responses with the party on the other foot that Democrats have maintained since November of 2016. I played you about two minutes of audio of Democrats from Kamala Harris to Joe Biden to Hillary Clinton to Debbie Wasserman Schultz to Jerry Nadler, the constellation of the Democratic Party claiming that Donald Trump's election in 2016 was illegitimate. So let me just mention that I played you about two minutes of that audio. It's a 12-minute reel. I could have played 12 minutes of audio. I neglected to say Jimmy Carter, a former president, saying the same thing. I could have played you 12 minutes of it. Kurt Schlichter writes that no matter how bad you think this bogus indictment is, it's actually worse. It's 45 pages of First Amendment protected activity broken up by four captions listing conspiracy, conspiracy statutes that do not apply. It's not a conspiracy to use free speech and attempt to participate in the political system no matter, no matter how badly 
our elite want it to be. If it were, then all those Democrats I played you in the previous segment would be under indictment. No, it's only Republicans who can't believe those things. That's not what the Department of Justice is for. It's not what our courts are for. Unfortunately, it is what Democrats are for. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 